Hello. You can reach out to me by email at beingmissdiva at gmail.com if you are interested in being on my show or just want to talk to me. Have a blessed day. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you real good. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. How's your day been so far? So far, uh, it started with a little disagreement with my youngest baby about the costume she was wearing to school. So we had a little bit of a a morning, but it ended in smooth sailing. And so far since then, it's been great. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad that you are able to be part of the podcast today, and um, I'm glad that I'm able to talk to. If you want to give your name, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. Sure. My name is Megan. Okay. Welcome, Megan. Um, You want to tell us a little bit about um, what you've been through or um, your abuse that you've been through? Yes, I would. So I am, I'm pretty well known in my community for many things. Um, In a nutshell, you know, I, I've kind of, how do I say it? I really love the image and the reputation that I have. And one of the things that has always kind of made me a little bit afraid Um, is like, if I say that I'm a domestic abuse survivor, if I say that, you know, I have walked through and and overcome these things, then what are people going to think of me? And so for a few years now, I think God's really been kind of brewing it like within me to, in some way, shape or form, share my story. So Um, you having this podcast and presenting this opportunity to me, um, it really means a lot. Um, You know, I think we as women so often are kind of silenced um, in society. And quite frankly, abuse is kind of ugly. um, And that's not something that people just want to talk about. Um, So thank you. Thank you for for having this platform for me, and I'm anticipating future um, guests to share their story. Um, Growing up, my mom was um, also in abusive relationships. So from the time that I was born until I moved out uh, when I was 16, she had four husbands. Um, I remember really vividly each and every one of those husbands abusing her. Um, My mom was also um, addicted to crack cocaine and she really, she loved us, me and my sister. Um, She truly showed up the best that she could. However, she was facing a lot of things in her own self. So when I moved out at 16, um, 
pretty much I immediately like jumped into serious relationships. And um, I had my first child right after I graduated. And her dad was very mean. Um, he was kind of the guy that was like rough and tumble. He was known for being the class clown. Um, and we kind of, you know, we had our little fling. It resulted in a baby. Um, he and I didn't really work out. And I met this other man. Um, this man, pretty much from the moment I laid eyes on him, something in me said, you're going to be my husband. Mm -hmm. He was sitting back with a beer in his hand and he had on this uh, Bengals jersey. And quite frankly, he kind of just looked like Billy Badass. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so for about eight months, um, I spent kind of trying to like woo him. Like, you're going to you're going to be with me. I want to be with you. I know you don't want a girlfriend, but I'm I'm convinced that really you do. And that person should be me. Um, I didn't really know what I was getting in for, uh, with mm -hmm. all of that. So about a year or so after he and I met, um, I was 20 at the time. He was a few years older. We decided we were finally going to have this relationship. And within the first three months, um, I had gotten pregnant and, I was 14 weeks pregnant and mm -hmm. it was the first time that he put his hands on me and he pushed me and I ended up losing that baby and something in me couldn't, like I couldn't um, recollect, like I couldn't reckon in my mind that that was why, you know, I, mm -hmm. I blamed it on the baby must have had some type of disability that God was sparing me, you know, from that, that perhaps it's because I was so stressed at work. Um, I was also in college at the time. Um, you know, like I, it just had to be because of all these other reasons. It couldn't have possibly been because last week, you know, my boyfriend that I worked so long to pursue to like me um, had done this. Okay. Um, we, he and I were together total um, for eight and a half years. Out of those eight years, um, it resulted in five times I tried to leave. Mm -hmm. All five of those times I went to my family. Well, I tried mm -hmm. to go to my family. He had really isolated me a lot. But they were all I had. And slowly but surely, he'd say, I was sorry, and I'll never do that yes. again. And yes, I'm going to church now, so things ain't going to be like that. And I would come back. Yes. And for two weeks, or maybe a month, a month was the longest he ever really could last in that like Prince Charming phase. Um, <laughs> and it would all go right back to the verbal. Yes to the physical, to even like he would take my car keys sometimes on Sunday mornings, knowing that I was going to go to church. And so I would even say I was spiritually abused by this man. Um, to me, going to church was the only form of hope and support that I had. And 
for many of those years, you know, he, he would even try to keep me from that. Um, finally, finally, once, um, I had, I had pressed two, two times. I had finally gotten the gall to call the police. Mm. Um, and both of those times it resulted in him having charges and the last and final time what really like was different you know because I kept after I had left and came back and had hope that things would be different and then he did this again and then it just kind of kept getting like worse you know each time I would leave and come back and my shame got greater and greater yes and my confidence in myself sometimes got lesser and lesser because I was I felt like I couldn't escape because I kept coming back um understand what was finally different for me I was in college um studying about behavioral health and we I was in my like last semester so we had all these different group projects and different papers and different things that we had to do. And part of part of the requirement was that we had to have our peers view our thing and give us feedback about it. And that was a really scary thing, but that was what I did. And over and over, people kept telling me like, wow, you're so strong. Like, you're really good at this. You're really funny. Like, mm. man, like when I grow up, I want to be like you. Um, I mean, they like over and over, people were saying things to me that I had never heard before. Um, and finally, I'm like, man, like if all these people are saying similar things, certainly they can't all be liars. Like, maybe yeah. there's some truth <laughs> in what they are saying. And maybe uh-huh. I don't have to stay in this so I um when I called the police the last and final time that was the last night uh that I was under the same roof with that man once and for all and we uh we went on to divorce um during our divorce hearing there was also criminal proceedings because of the domestic violence charge and because this was the second one, it was now a felony charge, not just a misdemeanor charge. And the prosecutor and the judge um, brought me into the room. Um, you know, they had read my journal entries. Um, I, I finally had an advocate. So I kind of was like a little bit unafraid at that point. I still was terrified on the inside, but on the outside, I was like, I have to follow through with this. You know, I have to do this for me. And so I had support. I had the help. I then was given the opportunity to say, did I want him to go to prison and like pay for what he had done to me? And let me tell you, that was like one of the hardest days of my life because everything in me said, yeah, lock him up and let him rot. Uh, That's pretty Mm -hmm. much, you know, that like he did all this to me. That's what he gets. But I had children with him and I was afraid that like, how would that affect my kids? You know, it was like everybody matters in this. So um, the community that I lived in, thankfully, like thankfully, 
had a batterer's intervention program. And I said, um, I said that I wanted him to do that. Um, he did have all kinds of prison time on the shelf. He was under really strict like probation and uh, he had to go through this program. The program lasted for an entire year. He spent six hours of every week there and really had to go through kind of some deep therapy and, and some work. And that was six years ago. I'm now six years out from that. And I'm still healing. Uh, he's still definitely healing. He's, he and I definitely ain't friends. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But we can send some text messages and I can have peace to go to sleep at night when my children are with him and I'm not there to watch. And for today, like, I'm grateful for that. Today, maybe that's that's my happy ending. Um, and I'm really blessed to get to work, um, to get to work with other survivors and help be a part of their journey of healing and moving on. And I think that uh, um, with me, myself, um, back in in the time where I was being abused sexually, physically, mentally, um, the fear was greater than the going and getting help. Oh, yeah. And the shame that I had kept me from seeking help because back in when it happened to me, it was my word against his word. Um, And I didn't look at it as abuse. I looked at it as I made him upset. I did something to cause this to happen to me. And um, I made excuses for what he was doing to me um, I made excuses for always going back. I would, you know, I was with him almost 11 years and I, um, would leave, like you said, leave, go back, leave, go back, leave, because he would always come with those soothing words. I'll never do it again. I am so sorry. I apologize. And he knew what to do to get me back mm-hmm. and I would go back. And for, let's say, a couple of months, it was good. There was no abuse or anything. But when he felt that, okay, I got her back here. I can I can do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And even if she do leave, she's going to come back. And that was a constant revolving door with me, leaving, coming back, leaving, coming back. Because... Um, I didn't know no other thing to do, you know, because he was the only man that I had been with. And I went with him when I was young. Um, in my senior year, had my uh, oldest daughter and mm. never wanted to speak anything bad about him to the girls at the time. And I never did. I never spoke anything negative, even though the things he was doing to me, uh, the sexual things he was doing to me, I didn't want to tell anybody because I was so ashamed. I felt, I looked and felt that um, 
I was a dirty individual and that people would, you know, if I talked to somebody about it, they would look at me and just shake their head or they wouldn't understand. You know, I didn't have, you know, uh, anyone to go to. He had at, at a point um, was saying that, you know, my family didn't want anything to do with me. And I believed it. I was young, mm-hmm. young and immature. Um, I was feeling that, you know, this was love because I didn't know that being abused was not part of love. I was right. never told that. And I never seen my mother abused. Um, I never seen, you know, any of my uh, siblings talk about abuse. Um, when You know, whenever I was around my friends, they never said anything about being abused. So I wouldn't open that conversation. I wouldn't open up that door. Right. I said, because I, I felt I would be looking stupid. Here I am right. standing with this man that's abusing me, but I didn't know how to get out. You know, you hear some people that's never been in an abusive situation say, well, just leave. Oh, yeah. You, you can't that. just leave. <laughs> Where are you going to go? <laughs> how? Yeah. I tried that several times. You know, right. I went down, you know, to my grandmother and he would come around and he would say those words, those I'm sorry to, you know, apologize and say I'll never do it again. And it happened again, you know, and I didn't know how to escape. I had lo- I had lost me, my self-esteem. I had none. So whatever he did to me, I couldn't tell him, I don't want to have sex that way. Right. I don't want to do that to you because if I did, I would get either slapped I would get kicked. I would get pushed down. I would get pushed into the wall. But my girls at the time when I was, you know, living with this man, they never seen this. They they never heard uh, anything because usually he would do things when they were asleep, you know. And I didn't want to scream out when he was doing things to me sexually to, you know, scare them. So I kept all this in for years. I kept it in. And, you know, that's why I'm doing this podcast to know women that's uh, young ladies that's been in an abusive situation. um, Talk about it. I didn't. I was too afraid to talk about it. I didn't know who to talk to about it because back then there wasn't anything for women, you know, to go into someplace and talk to somebody. And then, you know, he kept an eye on everything I did, you know, um, everywhere, you know, I couldn't go anywhere without his permission. I had no friends. Uh, he made sure that, um, if we had a telephone that I wouldn't use it because he would unplug it when he was gone, take it with him. And a lot of people say, well, why didn't you leave then? I did. But I came back, you know, once you're, I had got, you know, it's sad to say I had got used to the abuse. I didn't care anymore. My body had got to the point where I knew it was coming, Mm. you know, it may have hurt and it did, you know, when um, he sodomized me, but I couldn't tell him no. It may, if I ever said no, it made it worse. And, you know, and when I did eventually get out, 
I still need healing. Oh. I still, you know, even though you you may leave, leave the situation, you still have that abuse mentality in your mind. Yes. See, and, and I, I think look- for me, that was something, it was really like, I knew it, I always knew that it was abuse, but I always assumed that it was normal and that like, I deserved that because that was the way I was raised. And my mom, you know, she never liked that, but she, I also never really saw her being treated any other way. And for me, like when the way I was raised was with that and the way that I lived was also with that. And like other members of my family, other women in my family, that was also their experience. Um, It wasn't until I was surrounded by people that were different than me in college. And it wasn't until then that I even felt, um, what's the word? It wasn't even until then that I felt like the abuse that I was living with was actually a problem or that there could be different or that perhaps maybe I deserve different because all the women in my family, that was normal to them. And maybe because I'm a part of this family, does that mean that that's what's supposed to happen for me too? And it took... It took a lot, you know, to to even acknowledge that I didn't have to stay in that, that like there could be some other type of norm or other new life for me because um, no no other woman in my family that had been abused ever really actually sought out a different life um, until me. And since me, there has actually been a few other women in my family, praise the Lord, that have found the strength, hope, and courage to leave and find a new beginning. But in my family, I was the first person to do that. Yeah, that's with me. I was the only one uh, in my family that was abused. So I thought this was normal, you know, because of when it first started, it wasn't nothing that bad, you know, it's just a slap or um, cussing me out, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't um, want him to be looked at any different, you know, I didn't tell his his parents or his sisters, anybody, you know, um, about what he was doing because I felt that I caused this, I allowed mm-hmm. this, so why even tell anybody about something that, you know, I always blame myself. I never blamed him. It was always me, something I did, you know, some way I was acting, you know, I wasn't, uh, only place I usually would go with would be, um, down his mother's or mm-hmm. every now and then he'll let me, uh, visit my grandmother, but my other family members, I couldn't visit, um, because um, I felt that um, they were upset with me because here it was that um, I was living with this man um, that got me pregnant and um, I I moved in him. I think it had to be, my daughter had to be 
two or three years old. And um, when I wasn't living with him, he didn't didn't abuse me or anything. You know, he would come and, you know, we would do things. But after I moved in with him, that's when things changed. But I'm thinking this is normal. This is part of a relationship, you know. But when the sexual part started and the threats that if you ever tell anybody, Mm. I'm going to seriously hurt you. So he was, he was molding fear within me that I didn't tell. I didn't say anything about it. Even right. when I left him, I didn't tell, I didn't tell, you know, I moved in with my oldest sister. I didn't tell her what happened. When she asked me, why did I leave? I just said, you know, I just got tired. You know, I, I just want to just start over. I never told her what I went through. And I definitely didn't feel comfortable talking to anybody about the sexual abuse. You know, the things he made me do to him and the things he did to me, that was something I was so ashamed of. I couldn't make myself talk about it. Yeah. But inside it was tearing me up and it had me feeling like all men were like this. So I didn't want to get in another relationship. I had two girls, you know, to raise and look after. And I was determined that they would never see the sad part of their mother, even though their mother was hurting, you know, go in her, in her room and she would cry and the past would come up. And I would ask myself, why did I allow this to happen? Why am I so stupid? So I mean, I beat myself up. Because I said I should have left him years ago, but I stayed with him. Even when he hit me upside my head and bust my head, you know, my knuckles and all that. And uh, when I went out to the, you know, he, he took me to the hospital. And I couldn't say he did this. Because I wasn't sure if anything would be done. So I kept it quiet. They said, well, what happened? I said, I fell down. The, I was going out my house. I fell down the stairs and hit my head and on the, on a rock. You know, I had three stitches. And when I went home, when I went back and I told the girls, you know, you know, mama fell, she'll be all right. Cause he would look at me in a way that if you say it, I'm going to really hurt you. So I didn't talk about it. And then when I did, you know, tell um, some uh, policemen about it. They would always say your word against his. He mm. said you fell. He didn't touch you. Mm. So there was more on the man's side than it was for the woman. Absolutely. So I, I decided, okay, I'm not going to tell nobody, you know, about this. And he apologized for, you know, you know, hit me with the ashtray and, you know, and he was saying how much I love you and all that. And I fell for that line, that line. He had that line that, that, you know, like when people fish, men fish and women fish, they bait that line with that worm to catch that fish. He made sure that line was baited with the right type of bait to keep me there. He, you know, when he cheated on me, I was happy. You know, some some women might say, well, why was you happy that he cheated on you? Because he was letting me alone. Mm. He was having sex with somebody else. 
and I, I, I didn't have to worry about having sex. But if that woman made him upset, then, you know, I was going to be, get beat with that ugly stick of hatred for what she did, not what I did. You know, I never knew the trigger points. You know, when you're being abused, you don't know what's going to trigger this, this man. You don't know. So you're walking on eggshells because you don't know, okay, if I go in here and if I smile wrong, he going to mistake that as I've been doing something and I'm trying to cover it up. Right. So, you know, I was young and like I said, immature. He was the uh, first person, you know, first man that, you know, I had sex with. So I didn't know any better. I didn't know how to actually, because I didn't talk to anybody about it. And once you don't talk to somebody, that just builds up more frustration. And I had more frustration. But I buried it. I kept it hidden. So therefore, I didn't talk about it. You know, and um, there was uh, times where he would do things like he had um, when he when he got this gun, and I decided, you know, said to myself, he had made me so mad. I went and grabbed a gun. You know, I talked about that in one of my episodes, and thank God there was no bullets. But the fact of the matter that I did that put a fear in him, but yet not enough that he would stop doing what he was doing. He just hid the gun. So, you know, a lot of women, they, they stay in abusive relationship because they don't know any better or they've been around, you know, like you said, your, your mom, um, and they've seen this and they figured this is the lifestyle. This is what is, this is how life is. Well, I didn't grow up in a, in an abusive household. So I didn't know anything about that. But I lived with this abusive lifestyle. And to try to explain to someone who's never been in abuse, they wouldn't understand. It's not something that you just get up one morning and say, okay, I'm leaving and I'm staying, I'm going to stay gone. It just doesn't happen. No. It didn't happen me no i don't think it happens for most people if if that is how it happened the national average of number of times it takes a person to leave their abuser wouldn't be eight the national average is eight times it takes a person of leaving and coming back before they finally find a path of being able to stay away from their abuser um you know it it certainly can be done, but I, I think even, you know, just the difference between you and I with how we were raised and our age and our culture and our experience, even though you and I come from two totally very different places, a lot of, a lot of the feelings that we felt are very much the same. A lot of the ways that we were, you know, manipulated and coerced and mentally bound by this man that we were with um i think just goes to show that um 
there's so much alike, but there's so much that's different and there is no, there is no perfect, you know, story. Like there is no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There isn't just the right escape story or just the right way to finally get free. You know, it's. No, that's true. I mean, you, you, it's just like I tried and I tried, like I said, it was a revolving door um, until I, you know, got to the point where my body couldn't take the sexual abuse anymore because, you know, and um, like in one of my episodes, I talked about when I got pregnant and I was forced to have an abortion. And uh, I talked about that. And um, it's um, a healing process that you have to go through. Um, you don't leave this abusive relationship and you're all well. Mm -mm. It doesn't happen like that. No, your body might have left physically, but the, the life and the experiences, your nerves and your muscles and all your spirit and all the parts of you remember that. And on average, it takes like two to four years after you have left that situation for your nerves to come back to finally being relaxed. You, know, you had said earlier that like your body was almost just bracing for this to happen, that it was like constantly in this place of like, if you stay ready, then you'll be ready. And to think, you know, one of the things I have grieved um, is is the 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 pain, you know, that I still feel in my body today. Um, I've got low back problems, and sometimes I get a little wheezy in my breathing, and you know, I my physical body um, sometimes still has taken a toll of that, and I grieve that because. I don't want to still give parts of me away to that. You know, I, I washed my hands of you and I'm healing and, you know, God's dealing with me and now I'm in this whole new path of life. But the reality is you're right. There's parts of that abuse and parts of that pain that, that go with us and we have to constantly work out our healing journey. Yes. It's, it's a journey because, um, <laughs> you know, when I got out and, uh, even though I um, thought that uh, I was, um, I thought that, how can I put it? I thought that I was free of him mm -hmm. until, you know, like I talk about that in, in another one of my episodes, I, you know, went back and I got pregnant again. And then, you know, the things he said, once I told him I was pregnant, you know, your body you know, like um, what, what, you know, he did uh, to me sexually. Um, uh, eventually, uh, my body, um, I had to have a total hysterectomy. Because wow. eventually my body broke down, you know, the one, you know, areas in my body broke down because of the overtime of the abuse. Right. The sexual abuse. Um, being sodomized over a period of time, it broke down the body. Oh. And um, so I was um, 
it's it's a journey that you have to build yourself up, your self esteem. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to be comfortable. And it was sometimes I weren't I wasn't comfortable because there were some days uh, I would think about, I would visualize, I would see, I would cry, I would get depressed, I would get frustrated, I would get sad, I would get mad. But I knew that I had to help myself. Um, I'm curious what your motivation was. Pardon me? I'm curious what your main motivation for healing and keeping going, because I would imagine there was some days where you felt like you couldn't keep going or didn't want to or didn't know how. Yeah, there were some days. There were some days I wanted to, if it wasn't for my children, there were some days I wanted to commit suicide. But I kept looking at my children saying, I don't want to want to raise them but me. I want to be a mother. And it was days, you know, I would pray and I would ask God, please help me. My children need me. It was my children mainly is what I kept focusing on to be a better person. Because I love my children. Like I said, I never told them about, you know, like my youngest daughter, she's been listening to the podcast. And they never knew. I never told them about the abuse. Never. And um, like, um, but they were my main motivation. My children Hmm. kept me from doing things too. Because I said, now, I won't only be hurting me, but I would be hurting those children if I committed suicide. I'm not telling you the thoughts didn't come because they came. Mm-hmm. I wanted to commit suicide, but my children, you know, I kept looking at them and I believe it was just the Lord allowing me to keep looking at my children, telling myself, they need you. Stay strong. You'll make it. And, you know, I um, kept them in my thoughts whenever suicide thoughts would come. I would say their names out loud. They need me. You know, even when after, you know, know, I um, um, left this man and, and it took a while and then, you know, I gave my life to the Lord. Um, now, when I was young, we went to church all the time. My mother made sure we went to church, talked about the Lord and all of that. So when I did leave, it was you know, after I had uh, made a mistake and got pregnant again, and then uh, over time, I felt that, you know, I was healed. So uh, when I got involved with um, this other man, he was a minister, we didn't have sex. And, you know, um, I don't know if you listened to that one about when he when I got proposed to. And um, I thought I was I thought I was healed. Mm. Until he slipped a note underneath my door and said he didn't want me. Mm. And I knew I wasn't healed. 
And then I build a wall up against men in general, because I felt all men are going to hurt me. Right. And that's not true. I, I was categorizing all men as abusers. And that's not true. Like I said, my podcast is not to bash men, bash relationship. My podcast is to tell of my journey mm -hmm. through my abuse, what I went through to help someone else say, if she was able to do this, I can do it. Right. See, I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't have that where I could hear somebody else tell me about the abuse and how they got out. I never heard that. Mm. That was something that was talked about. You don't talk about abuse. That was a hush-hush topic back when I was coming up. Yeah. That was the, that's how it was for my grandma and when she was growing up. And I think, you know, from, from like, even just from this conversation and from others that I have had, I think that one of the things that keeps people bound is isolation. You know, when, when you can't talk about things, when you're not exposed to other people, when you don't have support and back in the day, it was like, all these things happened, all the things that happened today happened then, you know, rape and trauma and abuse and, and incest and all these things like they've always happened, but it couldn't be talked about back then. And no. it's such a shame that so many individuals who today, you know, might just now finally be finding the courage to speak of their stories. And they may have lived through this 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And like, I've had a lot of, you know, I guess I could call them barriers in my life. You know, I, I wasn't set up with money or great examples or, you know, when, when I become an adult, I didn't really have anything handed to me other than the, the skills and determination that I had picked up <laughs> over the years. But one thing that I did have was honestly a, a, a community and a, and a social environment where the very first time that I sought out help from a professional, when I, I said, I need help, someone said, here's a place you can go. When I went there, I was greeted with compassion and I was greeted with a lot of help. And I'm really thankful for that because if I step out of my experience for a minute and I step in your shoes of however long ago this might have happened to you, it sounds like you didn't have that opportunity. And even no. if you would have wanted it, there wasn't anywhere where you could have went. And, True. you know, I... That, that's one thing, like, I don't particularly love all the media and all the ways that news and social media influences our life today. <laughs> that's not all positive, but no. this is one positive that folks now have the ability to talk about this and they have the ability to find support and they have the ability to know that they are not alone. Yes. And, you know, like I said, I just want to give my testimony. Oh. Um, 
how I am a survivor and how I don't look at men as how I used to look at men. And I have chosen to be single. Not that because of what I went through, it's just something that I don't want. I don't want to be married. I feel that, you know, I'm 68, you know, I just don't want it. And it's not that because of, and it could be part of what I went through. And it could be just that I'm satisfied. Yeah. In my, in how you know, being single. So there's nothing wrong with if a single individual wants to be married, just make sure you're totally healed. Because if you don't, if you're not totally healed, if you get in, into a, a relationship and get, you know, married, that frustration and that past is going to be right there. Yes. It's going to cause problems in your marriage. So make sure that you are totally healed before you get into another relationship. I think you're right. And I think uh, I really appreciate um, you sharing your story and, and giving me a place to share mine. And um, yeah, I was really, really blessed for this today. Me too. And you know, if you uh, know of any single woman that wants to talk, you know, you can give email being misstevet at gmail.com and, you know, we could talk. I'll listen. I, I won't judge. Who am I to judge? I'm not that person. So, you know, anybody you know that wants to talk, feel free to give them my email. And um, I thank you so much. I thank the Lord how our past met. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So that was God. It sure was. It sure that was. was. <laughs> So, but I thank you so much for being, you know, in, anytime you want to talk, you have, you know, my Gmail or my email or you want to text me or whatever, feel free. My door is always open. I'll never yeah. shut my door. Thank you so much, truly. And I, I hope that this message um, brings, brings someone inspiration. You know, I with coming here, like, you know, we're, we're in October. This is domestic violence awareness month. We only yeah. have a couple days left in this month. And I guess just, just to pay homage, you know, to our journey and to all the other um, individuals who didn't make it out and who didn't quite find that voice. Like there is strength in numbers and there is yeah. a lot of power in sharing stories and yeah. I hope that I hope that this finds um, that someone finds hope and inspiration from hearing us today. Yes. And I thank you so much, Megan. And you have a wonderful, blessed day. And thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.